is the mystery of Esau. Like we know, the brothers uh, don't always get along with each other. And we learned that from Cain and Heva. And after Cain and Heva, we had an experience with Yitzchak and Yishmael. So one would imagine that that should be enough to kind of um, end the brothers. But we don't need brothers. We know that later on, the children of Yaakov, there were brothers who had a problem, right? That were not able to get along with each other, if you could say, if you say that. So what, what is the purpose of Esau, of Yaakov having a brother whose name was Esau? So if you look at the sheet, I mean, it just collected a few sukim that might give us some sort of insight. The first pasuk is in last week's parasha, Vayova Hashem la shnei goyibivitneich, ushnei lumeme meayachi paredu, uluomi laom yeemat, Rabbi Avon says, so there's some kind of a, a feeling that there's parity between these two brothers. That there are two important people that are going to be born. But Rashi says, Rashi says, Shnei goyim bevitnech, you see? Geyim ktiv. Elo antodinus verebi, shelo patsku me'al shulchanam lo tznon, lo chazeret, lo vivot ha-chama, lo vivot ha-gishamim. Now, I imagine that it's not perfectly obvious what Rashi is saying. And what Rashi has to do with the parish at all. But it is an interesting Rashi. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Shnei Goyim. You see, if you look at the Pasuk that's printed on the other side, you see there's a Kriyan Echtiv. You know, it's like written one way and read a different way. It's written, it's written, you see, Gimel it's read, uh, I'm sorry, Gimel Vav Yudmen, Goyim, to nations, to, to groups, to, to Goyim. But it's written in this funny way, Gimel Yud Yudmen, you see, in parentheses, the way it's written. So, you always have a problem when you have a, that's called a Kriyuchtiv, it's written one way, as though it was one word, but it's read like another word. Now, this is very, important for Baalei uh, Kriyas, for people who read from the Torah. Let me just look at it. Maybe I could show it to you. Kav Chet. Kav Gimel, is that what it is? What? Kav Kav Yes. may find that. Kav <laughs> you don't see it so clearly on the sheet, but Kavei Kavgimu Shnei Goyim Bevitneich Shnei Goyim It says Ketiv Ketiv, what's written in the Sefer Torah is Gimel Yud Yud Men That's what's written in the Sefer Torah Right? Again, Gimel, Yud, Yud, Men. And then it says, Kri, Goyim. It is it's written Gimel, Yud, Yud, Men. But you read it as though it was written Gimel, Vav, Yud, Men. 
which is the word goyim. Which is the word goyim. How this happened is a story. I wouldn't say that I know the story, but there is a story. In some place, why should there be two ways? Well, write it one way, read it another way. But Rashi, for Rashi, this was the text of the Torah. You understand? And therefore, Rashi didn't think that this was a mistake or it was something that just happened by accident. Rashi thought that this was the real recording. This is what the text really was. It was written one way, Gimel Yud Yud Mem, and written the other way. But since it was written and read the other way, but since it was written Gimel Yud Yud Mem, Rashi thought, Rashi thought that that should also have meaning. I don't know if I'm, it's like a little too annoying what I'm saying. Right? There's something called the Kriyuchtiv. Let me say it again. It's written, the word is written one way. Very often in the Torah, very often the Torah, Hey Vav Aleph. Do you know that word, Hey Vav Aleph? Who? Who? He. Right? It's read like he. If you look in that, it doesn't bother you. Right? It doesn't know you at all. You see Hey Vav Aleph, and you see there's a dot under the Hey. So you say he. You know, like those Hasidim, they say everything is he, he, he. So that, that doesn't bother us. That's how, we, that's how we read. So Rashi looks at this Patsuk, and Rashi says, Rashi says this, Shnei go gim bevitnei. Gimel yud yud mem, ktiv. He says that word is also stuck in there. It's written, it's written, gimel yud yud mem. Who, who is this? Geim, geim. You know, it's hard to say an Aleph. You know that? It's hard to say an Aleph. An Aleph is kind of neutral. It's like a, like a, like it doesn't have a sound. Like a bet has a sound, and a he, and, and a chet has a sound, and a kuf has a sound, but an Aleph doesn't have a sound. An Aleph is an ah. Ah is ah, whether it's an Aleph or it's not an Aleph. It doesn't make any difference. I see that. <laughs> That I'm, I'm speaking about miracles, Bolam Hazer. Allah doesn't have a sound. So if it says, if it says, Gimel Yud Yud Mem, Rashi says, Geim, Geim, like those who are proud, those who are important, important people. There are two important people in your stomach. Who are they? Eloan Tuminus or Rebbe? Eloan Tuminus. And Rebbe, Rebbe Yudanasi, and Antoninus, who was a Greek or a Roman, they used to have philosophical discussions. They would talk about things that are of great importance. So, Rashi says, Shelokas Kume Al Shulchanan, Lotsnon, Lotsnon, what's known? So I guess, you know, if you like radishes, I don't. <laughs> that's a big deal. You know, to be able to put radishes on your table all the time. What's Hazaret? If you go to the supermarket, you know, you see it on little bottles that are red. Hazaret, cream. Right? Cream? No? Horseradish. Ah, that's the word. Horseradish. Right? It's called horseradish. Shalom, Pasquale, Shukhadam, Lokstone, Velo Hazaret, Lobi Mot Achama, Velobi Mot Hageshamim. So what do you say about Rashi? 
Was there a Rashi? Was a Rashi? Was like he was out to lunch that day. <laughs> like he just didn't get it. Did he get it? We know what the pasuk says. What does it talk about? Out to dinner and Rebbe. <laughs> okay, it's an advantage. It is an advantage, but you know that Rashi's committed to pshat. Rashi wants to explain what the pasuk says. He doesn't just tell us stories, and he doesn't. So what is this? What is this Rashi saying? The Rashi cannot believe. That Shnei Goyim Bivitev refers to Esau and Yaakov. How can you call Esau well, a, a Goy parallel to Yaakov? So Rashi takes the this way out. He says, oh, I, there's a measure that says they're talking about Atadidus and maybe, oh, maybe that's what it is. That's what it is. It's not Pshat. It's not Pshat going to Rashi either. But, but he, can't, he can't help it. He has to do that. Look at the next Rashi. Shnei Umin. And Lomela Malchus. That means that the two children in your womb, each of them will be a king of something or other. Okay. Okay, I don't know. I think it's enough. We're done with this Pesach. Look at Pesach Kavchet. But Yehav Yitzchak and Esav decide to feed. Remember last week we talked about this Pesach? So what does Rashi say? You see Rashi? Perceive Pasuk Kavchet? Perceive Kitargumo, Bethishal Yitzchak. Umedrasho, Bethishal Esav. Shayat Sad, Oto, Umerameu, Bidvarach. He said that Esav had this undeniable negative quality, that he was able to fool people, that he fooled his father into thinking that he was a great, righteous person. How did he do it? He asked his father whether he take Jewish amices from, from salt and from straw, which of course anybody knows. You don't. Everybody knows that you don't take Jewish amices, but he did it anyway. He asked that question, so he fooled his father. Now look at Pasuk Lamed. Pasuk Lamed, see these are not Pasukim in order, but more, more or less. Yomay Sabal Yaakov, Alkeni Namen Adoma Adoma Zeh, Kiyayev Anochi Alkei Karashimo Adom. No. What do you say about that pasuk? Remember the story in last week's parasha about the selling of the Bechorah. Right? Esau sold the Bechorah to, to Yaakov. Now, how did it happen that he sold the Bechorah to, to, to uh, Yaakov? Well, this is what happened. What's the Adoma Adoma what is that? That's what Esav, and then what Yaakov was cooking. cooking, right? Bishul, he was cooking. Now you know very well that if you have a son, anybody has a son who sits in yeshiva and learns as Yaakov was supposed to be doing, he does not cook anything. <laughs> Nothing. If they didn't give him hot water in the yeshiva, he'd never drink the coffee. Never. Where did Yaakov learn this? Where did he learn about cooking? And where, and, and Esau, who is supposed to be Isha Sadeh. What's Isha Sadeh? If you don't remember, I told you last week. He owned the Sadeh. He had dominion over the Sadeh. He, he like was comfortable there. What happens here in this Pasuk? Ki ayefa nochi. Ki What does ayef mean? I can't, I can't do it. I can't do what I have to do. I was out in the Sadan, I got worn down. 
So here you have a picture. Here you have a picture. Yaakov is cooking. Right? Esav is tired. Why is Esav tired? Because he had to go out to the Sadeh. Where is Yaakov cooking? Not in the restaurant. He's cooking at the Sadeh. That's where he is. He's got the thing under control. He, Yaakov, has got it under control. And we know that the prophet says that Yitzchak loved Esav. Kitzayin Bifit. Right? Very tough. Rivka, she liked Yaakov. And Yaakov was a Yosheva Ohali. All of that in the Psukim, in the beginning of last week's parasha. Yaakov is a businessman. Right? He, he understands that he has an opportunity to take advantage of a son. So is this a quality that you associate naturally with Yaakov? I don't think so. Because Yaakov became, has suddenly got all the qualities of Esau. You remember Rivka? Remember Rivka? She went and convinced Yaakov, what should he do? She lied. Tzayed the thief. Who's the Tzayed the thief? Esau came to his father and said, oh, I'm a very uh, righteous uh, person because I want to know if you can take, you have to eat trubas of maestros on, on salt and straw. But Yaakov, he took a bit of that. He just lied straight out. Look at the pasuk. Look at the pasuk of Yaakov. Yom Yaakov, pasuk l'avadal, v'chaka yom v'chaka Okay, that's the rest of the story. Go down to the next, the next paragraph. This has got to be construed by most regular people as a lie. Yaakov said, I am Esau. <laughs> Can you lie more directly and clearly than that? So he's tired the faith. He wants something from his father. And he's prepared to lie to get it. Just like Esau wanted something from his father. His father mm-hmm. he was like a, a firm young man. So he lied to him. He lied to him. Rashi says, Anochi Esau, but Rashi can't can't put up with it. You just have to understand the problem that we're dealing with. Rashi couldn't put up with it. Rashi could not let out. You know, Rashi was not only Rashi, but he was also the great educator of Am Yisrael. Because for Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael for the last, say roughly, thousand years, right? Everybody's been learning Rashi. So that when we learn the Chumash, when children learn the Chumash, you know, the Maharal said, the Maharal said, one of the educational failures of our system is that we teach Rashi to children. And you should never teach Rashi to children. the Maharal, because the Maharal said that children think they understand it. And because they think they understand it, they think it's for children. And they don't go back to Rashi, but really Rashi is very profound. And you shouldn't teach it to children until they're able to absorb the profundity of Rashi. The Maharal said that. It was an interesting idea. I mean, I don't know if you have to agree with him or disagree with him, but Rashi, you have to understand 
was not just the commentator, but he was the educator. To a certain extent, he made us what we are. And look what he says about Yaakov Avinu. He just cannot buy it. He can't buy it. Yaakov said such a blatant lie to his father. So Rashi says, Anochi Esav Bechorechi. You see the Rashi? Anochi Hamevi Lecha. Veisavu Bechorecha. You ever hear such a thing? I mean, like if a kid came to you and said this pshat in the potsuk, you'd kick him out of the room. <laughs> How can you say such a pshat? That what, what, what Yaakov said to his father, let's say this, we'll be sophisticated. Okay? We'll be sophisticated. Yaakov said to his father something that could be interpreted in two different ways. Simultaneously. And that's what he wanted Yitzchak to understand. But me, when I read the Chumash according to Rashi, he wants me to say, Anochi, da 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 da, I'm not coming to take his place. I'm just coming with a good meal. Look, the point that I want to make from this Rashi is that Rashi could not put up with the Pshuto Shemikra. It was unacceptable. He couldn't imagine it. They couldn't imagine it. Why couldn't they imagine it? Because the whole premise of our understanding about the relationship between Esau and Yaakov is that they are different. Esau is Esau. And Yaakov is Yaakov. And look at the story. What's happening is that Yaakov is becoming Esau. Yaakov is becoming Esau. It's a remarkable thing. Then the next pasuk here. Pasuk Mem Aleph. Pasuk Mem Aleph in Perikotai. That's our parasha today. Today's parasha. By his stone, they Yaakov. He hated him. Ala brachasha bercho aviv. By yomay sabeli boye krivu yemei evel avivach arga et Yaakov asim. Okay, I don't want to go, go into it. But you know that Rivka was wrong. Rivka? Rivka saw this danger that was looming against, against Yaakov, her favorite son. So she encouraged him to lie and to present himself as though he was Esau and to bring food to his father. She was wrong. Why was she wrong? Because you count the blessings that Yitzchak gave his children. Yitzchak first place best Yaakov. That was the blessings supposed to go to Esau. Then he blessed Esau. Another blessing. Now both of those blessings have to do with with reality. They're all about reality checks. You'll get, you know, things will go in your favor, and you'll have money, and you'll have you'll be well have welfare, be well off. But Yaakov, before Yaakov ran away from Esau to Lavan, remember Lavan, right? He ran to Lavan before that. Yaakov, Yitzchak. I'm sorry. Yitzchak gave Yaakov another blessing. But you have to remember, I can't go through it now because it's not my main topic, but you can look at it. Yaakov gave, uh, Yitzchak gave Yaakov a third blessing, which was really, we would call that the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham was Eretz Yisrael. 
and that you, you'll be the father of a great nation. And that blessing went to Yaakov. So, so Yitzchak never intended, apparently, to give the blessing of Abraham to a son. And that was Rivka's misunderstanding. I say this parenthetically, but as a result, as a result of this duplicity, only that, now I think I wish there was a brachot, but as a result of the fact that, that Esau was fooled, that, that, that Yitzchak did not uh, uh, give him the blessing that he originally intended to give him, that produced for Yaakov an, an enemy which lasted, the enemy is still around with us today. I don't know why he had to wait until his father died, but okay, in those days, you didn't kill a brother until the father died. I don't know what that means. killed Evel. Before his father died. What? Yeah, he was in the oil. Yeah, okay. Okay, good, good. Whatever it is. It's your drusha. One more pasuk. One more pasuk. You know, Yaakov went to... Yaakov went to the house of Lavan, to Tuel, Lavan, remember all those, that family, and there he got, he got fooled, but he got what he wanted, and he had two wives and two shvachot, and somehow he managed um, to produce this miracle which enabled him to, to capitalize on the uh, the birth of a lot of sheep and, and, and goats and, and he, he left the, he left with great wealth and so uh, this all took place this all took place according to this pasuk right Perek Labit pasuk was the last child that was born in the house of Lava. Yosef. Right? Binyamin was born later on the road back to Eretz Kinah. So Yosef was the last child that was born. So you might ask, what, what took Yaakov so long? I mean, why did he wait so long? I mean, first he wanted to marry Rachel, so he married Leah, so he had to wait another period of time to marry in order to marry uh, Rachel. First he married Leah, then he married Rachel. So why didn't he leave? I mean, he had what he wanted. But he didn't leave. And the Torah tells us the names of the children, and who had children, right? Who the names of the children, Shvachot. And then finally Yosef was born. You know, so you know that there's a kind of a story within the story about the fact that Rachel was not able to have children. So you know that Rivka also was not able to have children, or she had difficulty having children. And Sarah goes without saying. So this theme of difficulty in childbirth is a recurrent theme 
which takes place, which you only have because somehow they came to the conclusion based on sorrow, based on sorrow that a man had a wife. This is like an interesting idea that there was, that they call it Hebrew Zugiyut. You know, Zugiyut is that, that somehow this man and this woman, they're the, they're the it of the relationship. And therefore, the family has to be built around this man and this woman. Certainly, that's the story of Sarai, Sarah, and Hagar. Like, you know, it was a great idea. Here's Hagar, have a baby. So, it happened. There was a baby, but it didn't, it didn't work out. And then you have the, the tension with the Rivka, who couldn't have a baby. He had to die, she had to die. And yet, they, they realized that this was the proper, this was the proper match. This was the problem. So the, the children, the children of Yaakov, for some reason, had to all be born in the house of Laban, except for Benjamin. And here the pasuk says, Yaakov Laban Suddenly, I mean. It's true that Akadosh Baruch Hu directed him and told him it's time to go and all of that. But here uh, uh, he gets up, he talks to Lavan, and the way he presents it is enough. He says it's time for me to leave. Now, why did the pasuk connect Leidat Rachel and Yosef with the fact that he has to leave? To the fact that he has to leave. So Rashi explains that. Rashi says. Rashi says, Mishinolad stanosho esav. The the devil, esav's devil, the one who beviled him, deviled him. He he was he was the the cause of esav's trouble. That since Yaakov and his family were going back to Eretz Israel, and Eretz Israel was certainly in some way controlled by Esau. So something had to happen before he would leave. So what happened? Yosef was born. Shinema, there's a pasuk in Ovadia. Vaya Beit Yaakov, Eish. Eish, fire. Beit Yaakov is a fire. Or Beit Yosef, Lehava. Lehava is a, a flame. Right, Beit Yosef is a flame. The flame is hotter than the fire. Or Beit Esav, Lekash. And the house of Esau was like straw. You know, fires and straw, you know who wins. Esh below lahava, enosholet lemerachok. If it doesn't have a, a flame, then you can't sort of send it far. Bishadolad Yosef, Batasi Akol, Bakarishbochu, Liratzala Shuk. That is to say, I mean, you have to read, so Rashi says, Yosef, was the key to the return to Eretz Israel. He was the key. And when he was born, Yaakov knew that he could go back to Eretz Israel. Why? Okay, so Rashi says the possible of Avati, he also says at the beginning of the Parashat I mean, you can think about it, but if you think a little out of the box, you understand that Yosef was the one who generated the continuation of Jewish history. Avram Avinu said, or Kodesh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, 400 years, 
they're going to be exiled in, uh, in a foreign land, which we know was Egypt. 400 years. So those 400 years, those 400 years were, uh, how did they get to Egypt? How did they go there? Yosef. Right? Remember Yosef? The brothers didn't like him. They sold him. They bought him. He went down to Egypt. They went looking for him. They came down. It's all from Yosef. So Yaakov knew. Yaakov knew the Jewish history. Needed Yosef. When Yosef was born in the house of Lovon, Yaakov said to his whole family and to Lovon, now it's time. What was I doing here all these years? I was waiting for Yosef to be born. Who's Yosef? The older child of Rachel. Who's Rachel? The one who should have been his wife. Why wasn't she his wife? According to the story, because too many children had to be born. But in those days, to have 12 children was a little bit outrageous. But it couldn't happen. So this is what, you know, these are some of the things that I wanted to remind you of. And I still don't know why we need Asaph. Why does history need this opponent who sometimes wins and sometimes loses? Sometimes he's up and sometimes he's down. When he's up, Yaakov is down. When Yaakov is up, he's down. What is it? So I want to tell you something that you are not going to grasp the word. You turn the page. Turn the page. This is this Likuti Moran, Torah Yutet, which is a very well-known Torah. It's about language. About language, but we're not going to do that part. We're going to do a different part. The beginning, the beginning. You see, it says Aleph. The, the, the before Aleph is sort of an introduction, which you, you can't really get to if you don't learn the whole Torah. So start from Aleph. Okay? So Rav Nachman the I see everybody suddenly paying attention. You know, like you talk about Rav Nachman the You know, I used to go to the yeshiva to um, to Tzfat every year, and we were in Tzfat. We used to daven in the morning. Daven Shach was in the Bratz of the Shul, which I like. I like very much. So I forced everybody else to go. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. Uh, that's called that's called education. <laughs> you know, all the teachers think they have a. a you know, like a, a kind of a perfect feeling about things. And everybody should share it. That's one of them. Today, I would say stay away from those kind of people. But anyway, I forced everybody to go to the, to the shul. And they always asked me to give a Dvar Torah. So after the first time, which I just lucked out because I had something to say, I used to actually prepare because I knew that he was going to ask me to say So this is how the Torah always went. I said I said to myself, and I said Rashi asked the following question, and I explained the question Rashi asked. By the time I finished explaining Rashi, half of the people they were split asleep. <laughs> then I said, but other Mephoshim disagree with Rashi. I would quote one or two other Mephoshim with a different opinion. By that time, everybody was asleep. Was a single person who was there. And then I would say, every time, it was exactly the same. The Rabbeinu Amar, they all wake up. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter to anybody what the question was. 
and what the discussion was, and what the argument of the Farsha was, all they wanted to hear was what Rav Dachman said. So I see it, I saw it here for a second. Rav Dachman is pretty good. It's true that, that some of his followers are a little cuckoo, but that, that doesn't, that's not the right way to judge. You know, I remember once, many years ago, this is like story day today. So I remember years ago, I was looking for somebody to teach us Nachman. In the yeshiva, when it was in Kiat Moshe, what was then called the American College, and what is now called Machon Meir, the yeshiva was in that building. My yeshiva was in that building. What? So, so there was somebody... I hired the teacher of Nachman, the teacher of Kuti Moran, his name was Porish, Chaim Shalom Porish, who worked in Mosar of Cooks, who was very close to me, he just walked, he was sitting in Yushalmi, who was a big time of nobody knew what he was talking about at all. But it was like nice that he used to come around and I kind of stopped smoking and baked Madras, that was like a big, <laughs> a big thing in those days. And it was a very nice day, then he couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't do it, so I, I, uh, I said, well, get me somebody else. So he told me about some younger guy who, who might be appropriate. So I, we met with him. We met with him. I said, listen, can I ask you a question? He said, why are you Bratzlovers all crazy? That's why I said to this Bratzlover husband. Now you'd think he would be insulted, but no. He said, listen, if you would think about what we are thinking about, You'd also be a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't even blame the crazy. They made me right. What? Did he get the job? He, no, he didn't get the job. <laughs> he didn't get the job. He was too honest. The Shivas need, you know, people who are wily. So listen to what it says. Aleph. You see Aleph? It's like the sixth or seventh line. Ki kashera But not been said. People find it difficult to understand. Because people don't understand why Hasidim like to go to the Rebbe. Every chance they get, they go to the Rebbe. So now, uh, in Bratislav, it's kind of organized. You know, they go to the Rebbe at Rosh Hashanah. Of course, the Rebbe, not being alive, it's a little bit, makes it a little bit difficult. He's not talking about that. He's talking about going to a living rebbe. He says, people don't understand. People don't understand why. Why there's a need to go to a rebbe and to listen to what he has to say. Hello, Efshar. He says, this isn't true. What is the rebbe going to say? The rebbe going to say be good, keep the Torah, do the mitzvah, do they all of these things. So there are books that are called Sifrei Musar, like the Sifrei Sharif, for example, which is very popular, rightfully so. You know, it's a very popular work. But it says, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. This is it. What do you have to take, what do you have to travel? In those days, traveling is not a simple matter. It's not a simple matter. It's not, it's not for nothing that the, uh, that the Baal Shem told Wherever he went, he went with this magical donkey that pulled his wagon. You know, he talked to the donkey, the donkey knew where to go, because it wasn't a big problem. He couldn't just 
traveled, so he had a magical donkey, and, but not everybody had a magical donkey. And therefore, uh, the travel was kind of difficult. He says, Ach, the Nachman says it's very important to go to the Sadiq, even though the Sadiq says things that you think are written in books. And in theory, you can just read the book. You don't have to go to the Tzadik. He says, no, but it's very important. I met. There's even a great difference between someone who hears it from the mouth of the Tzadik and another person who hears it from someone who heard it from the mouth of the Tzadik. Right? Level two. He says, there's a big difference. He says, what's the difference? What is the difference? I mean, it's the same thing. What today? I have to go to a Tzadik today? We have YouTube. All the Tzadikim are on YouTube. Right? You want to see, uh, I don't want to name names. But you don't see somebody. I see there's someone... Somebody down in Slichus and somebody down in Kachbun, uh, uh, and, and, and it's all on YouTube. It's all, you can, you can get all of those things. So, what do you have to go for? So he says, he says, Yesh, he look at Obed, Hashonem, and Piat, Sadika, Mehmat, Smobin, Hashonem, and Piat, Kero, Mehbishmo, Mikol Shekei, Sheshomea, Mipi, Sheshama, Mipi. Ashomea, is like second and third dargot. Somehow it gets less impressive. Right? Every time, you know that game, telephone? I don't know. This is my, what I know about games is from 60 years ago. So you know, at the end, it comes out funny because it's not what it was at the beginning. So it's the same thing, like, you know, you don't get an, a perfect rendition. It always changes a little bit as it goes down from person to person. That's what Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says. He says, And at the end, it's, it's very much unlike what the tzaddik himself actually, actually said. Uh, you can't compare listening to the tzaddik to looking in the book. That's what he said. You can't make the, the comparison. I have to explain it. Okay, this is Allah. But he's making the presentation. And therefore, if you have a chance, you should go to the tzaddik to hear him speak so you'll really get it. If you don't go, you won't really get it. Now, base. Listen to this. Panim is your face. Panim, that's who you are. You know, there are people who can look at your face and they know exactly who you are. Because everything about you is written in your face. This is you don't always know how to read it. You know how to read the face. He says, You have to purify, to clean out the face. And everybody has to be able to see Panav, the face of the Sadiq, 
הקנים שלו, כמו במראה. In other words, you look at the tzaddik, you look at his face, and you see your face. You see your face as already. If that's what you're supposed to be doing, then of course, it doesn't matter what you hear, it doesn't matter what he says, you want to look at him. That's what he says, you want to look at him and see his face. Like, like you're looking at a, at a mirror. And the mirror, his face is the mirror. And you're in there. You're in his face. So much so, this is so impressive, that even if he does not, uh, if he does not give Musar, he doesn't tell you what you're doing wrong. He doesn't say anything about you at all. Yitcharet chaverot tekevamato. Yitcharet. You know what yitcharet is? It's the essential ingredient of tshuva. Oh, the essential ingredient of tshuva because a person comes and says, "Okay, I won't do it anymore." That's not tshuva. Tshuva always means I have remorse about what I did. That's what tshuva is, and I won't do it again. But if you just say, I won't do it again, without harata, that's not tshuva. Right? Yitcharet chavirot tekev ha-ma'asat. Rak b'mashe yabit b'panim shalom. Just looking at him will encourage this. Ki al-gidei shi yabit b'panim shalom. Nir'eh et atzmo kimo b'mar'ah. Eich panav mishukah b'choshen. So when I look at the face of the tzaddik, I see myself. What do I see? What do you mean you see yourself? So I think that what Rav Nachman meant to say was that when you look at the face of the tzaddik, you don't see a person who was born that way, who never had any other option except to be a tzaddik, you know, like like this this kind of a romantic notion of Yaakov, Yosheva, Halim. But you say, you see a person who struggled and he became what he became. And when you look at him, when you look at him, it magnifies whatever you're keeping, in whatever way you're keeping yourself down. And you're not allowing yourself to be who you should be. So the Sivrei Musur, they say, look, the Torah says, the Torah says, don't talk flesh and heart. So don't talk flesh and heart. That's a very Muslim. So does that affect anybody? We all know that it doesn't. We all know that we, we, we uh, love flesh and heart. We don't just like it. But we love it. We do it all the time. But we know that it's awesome. We need to have wrote a book. A Londonship book, like a very, very sophisticated and high-powered book to try to stop people talking flesh and heart. So the two things you have to say, first of course, a high-powered, sophisticated book is not going to stop anybody. Right? Unfortunately. And secondly, you see that the Chavetz Chaim valued this idea that if you put it into the Torah context, maybe it'll do something. Maybe somebody will, will be that way. But if you look at the Sifrei Musa, you say, oh, I know this. I heard this before. Oh, it's the same thing that all those uh, other people say. It, 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 it's reduced to, to trivia. It doesn't mean anything to us. 
But if you look at the face of Sadiq, what do you see? You see that there's a person who is able to overcome. Because everybody has their limitations. Everybody is being pulled in the direction, is being pulled in the direction of, of non-secret, let's say. Of doing Averis. Um, everybody's pulled in that direction. And we give in. We give in because other Mechaba gave in. Cain gave in when he, when he killed Hevel. Noah and his sons gave in when they did what they give in. They give in. So what's going to keep you? What's going to keep you from giving in entirely? Well, you've got to have a reason for the struggle. You've got to have a reason for doing better than you think you could do. So, according to Rav Dachman, you go to the side and you see that person. The person who did it. And when you see what he did, you suddenly see your own position as being much more precarious than you thought it was. How far away are you from, from righteousness? How far away are you from, from Kiyum Mitzvot? You see that. You see that in the in the face of the, of the tzaddik. You see that in the face of this righteous person who overcame. So who is Esau? Who is Esau? Esau is the one who said to Yaakov Avinu, look, you can't just sit in the Olaf. You can't just learn Torah. Because your obligation after Adam and Chava and Cain and Hevel and Noah, your obligation is to purify things, to make them better, to make them better, and to do that, to make sure that you do that, I, Esau, are going to bother you. I'm going to bother you with real life things that happen all the time. And you know, Chazal said, Chazal said, Esau, it's forever, right? You're never going to get away from Esau. Because Esau is something that we need inside of us that Adam and Chava didn't have. What did Adam and Chava have? I mean, you know, I, mean, I, I don't want you to think I'm saying anything political. Because I'm not. I mean, I don't mean to. I don't mean to say anything political. Well, politics is a different, works on a different basis, you know. But, but Adam and Chava, why did they eat? Why did they eat from the Eitzadat? Because they, they said a bad svara. You know, svara is like they reasoned it out poorly. So reason is not always the answer to all problems. Sometimes you have to take the, the divine command at face value. You can't just use reason. Kain in heaven. I mean, Kain came to this amazing idea. He said, if I'm number two, so God says to Kayan, well, if you want to be number one, work at it. Isn't that what God said? If they keep seed, say, hey, says, if you'll do better, then I'll accept your sacrifices. Well, God said to Kayan, what did Kayan say? I have no time for that. If I kill number one, so I automatically become number one, right? It's cheetah. So you see, you see that, that the capacity to think in crude ways, crude means crooked, to think in crooked ways is, is just tremendous. I mean, we could 
come up with all kinds of crookedness. Look at look at uh, look at Noah. After Noah was was outed as being the new Adam, the new man who was going to start everything, he also made mistakes. So Asa, I can tell you also this. You know, like each of the avot, each of the avot represent a pure quality according to the Kabbalah. Right? Avraham is Chesed, and Yitzchak is Gvura. Yaakov Avinu is Torah. Who Torah? Avraham didn't have Torah, and Yitzchak didn't have Torah. Because they had Torah. Maybe the Chazal say that they that they were Mekayim the mitzvahs like Eretz Avshilu. They were Mekayim all the mitzvahs the other. So I can say that Yaakov Avinu is is Torah because Yaakov Avinu Yaakov is the one who had the challenge of himself. Of making himself. Adam Avinu, already once he discovered God, it was the end. Nothing else he had to do. Yitzchak, after he allowed himself to be sacrificed, he, he fades out, right? There's no more. But Yaakov Avinu, every step of his life was difficult. Every difficulty was overcome. Every time he overcame, he became more and more the representative Torah according to the according to these uh, Kabbalistic figures. So this makes sense. It makes sense that you need uh, to look at somebody. You need to be able to see somebody who did what you should do and follow the path that you should follow. So that's the secret, I think, of Asa. Asa was the challenge to Yaakov. It wasn't just a bad son. It wasn't just a bad person. But he created that challenge. When you go through the story, you'll see that time and again, Yaakov takes up the ace of position and purifies it. And makes it good. And makes it the way it should be. Right? That's Yaakov. That's what, why Yaakov is Torah. Because the Torah is there, but you have to make it. You have to make yourself into the person of the Torah. Have a good chance.